There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk The Go Radio Business Show with Sir Tom Hunter and Lord Willie Hockey with Workflow Solutions. Right, so good morning to the Go Radio Business Show. Willie, another week of interesting ups and downs, maybe more downs than ups. What are you thinking this week? Uh, morning, Tom. Well, unfortunately, it looks as if, you know, you said last week that I'm definitely going to be right about the, the optimism of Jeremy Hunt and Andrew Bailey was misplaced, <laughs> right? It, uh, when you see this morning, they're predicting now that the interest rates will go up again when they meet on Friday. Um, I just don't know where that optimism came from, that they were going to get inflation down to 5% and that would be the most the interest rates were having, that would start to go down steady. I'd just love to see the data that they were working on. Yeah, I just wonder if it's just, I mean, putting interest rates up to try and cure this inflation seems a very blunt instrument to me. I know that's what the favoured economic policy has been, but this inflation seems more stubborn. It seems, you know, the food inflation, Willie, seems to be really driving the the main headline rate of inflation. So I don't think it's the same as previous years. And I think we're using the same tools for a new issue. I, I don't know if you think about that, but... Yeah, you're right. We, you know, as lay people, we wonder why, what happens. And we're watching the indicators over the last few months, last six, nine months. It was all about the oil price. It was all about Ukraine. It was all about the lack of supplies. All of that seems to be back. In fact, better than normal, I'll give you a perfect example. We talked about it months and months ago, that a lot of people who were importing from China that the cost of a container had went up from £3,000 to $12,000, sorry, $12,000 to $15,000. And that was having a huge effect on retailers. Yeah. The cost of a container this week is half of what it used to be before the rise. It's only $1,400. Oh, right, right. okay. But, but, uh-huh. the, the, but, the, but if you look at the other side, 700,000 people failed to pay their mortgage or their rent last month in the UK. Wow. How the bank could have had any optimism around about what the things have been saying, knowing they would have got that data before us, Tom. Yeah. It just wonders, it looks as if we're just saying anything to try and appease people, but in reality, behind the scenes, there is a huge economic downturn, and I just don't know why they're, they're, they're not telling the people. So this has been, this has been really on our minds in the Hunter Foundation for a wee while now, Maybe about 18 months ago, we got Oxford Economics to do a piece on the Scottish economy and what what could be done to get our growth rates up. And one of the new things that we're beginning to, to look at is what's happening across the water in Ireland. Yeah. And, you know, there's some incredible um, numbers here. So Ireland, this is Southern Ireland, yeah. is projecting a 9 billion surplus 
this year with a 14 billion surplus in 2024. Just to put it in context, Scotland's got a 23.7 billion deficit. And so we've been looking into why. Now, we're, we're not finished our work yet, but, and we're going to make it, we're going to publish it free of charge to anybody who wants it. But, you know, the big headlines for me is Ireland, 20 years ago, maybe longer, took clever strategic leadership. There was some clever people and they thought about this and they sat out a big vision over a longer term. They got... Um, the tax policy correct, which was about the tax take, not the tax rate. They got their universities into um, thinking about producing the talent and the inward investment was for what I'm going to call sticky jobs. These are not jobs that come and go, Willie. These are jobs for Dell, Google, Facebook, etc. And... Um, Ireland, here's a remarkable statistic on it. Ireland is the European base for 24 of the world's 25 biggest biotech and pharma companies. Who knew that? So, so they had a good pandemic, believe it or not. And since 2015, when the UK growth has been flat, Southern Ireland has been double the rate. Double the rate. So... The elephant in the room, of course, is also Brexit. So we're, we're trying to think, how do we get the clever strategic leadership in Scotland and the rest of the UK to set out a growth plan which will benefit all of our citizens? But the Irish experiment, as some call it, has been a real success. I mean, what do you think, Willie? Well... I actually have a bit of knowledge of this. Back in the day, in the early 2000s, when I was chairman of Scottish Enterprise Glasgow, we looked at Ireland. Yeah. And it was it, it actually, the, <clears throat> the start was way, way back before then. It was actually started with Charlie Hawhey when he was T-shirt. Yes. And what he did any, was... Any relation, Willie? Uh, yes, distant. Distant. <laughs> really? Yes, yes, yep. So, really? and that, that came from him. He traced his family tree and he sent my dad all the documentation to prove that we were part of the family and we had to pay him a levy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but seriously, what he did was that he called in the, the head of Error Enterprise back then and said to him, what do we have to do to encourage the 10 largest companies to come and base themselves in Ireland? And there was many things that they'd done, but the, the main thing they'd done was obviously incorporation tax. Yep. Right. And, and, and they absolutely succeeded. In fact, I think they got the top 20 companies in the world to come and locate in Ireland. But, but what they did was, that if, if you look at it, this is the point you make, is about the tax take. Yeah. If you take it at the moment, I still believe in Ireland that corporation tax is 10%. Okay? So right. in the UK, it's much, much higher. But you have to ask yourself, why did Microsoft pay 10 times more tax in Ireland last year at 10% than it did in the UK? Yep. Right. So, the, so, so really, this is what we need to look at. This is not rocket science, but you need to be bold. And this is all part of what we've been talking about, you know, for months and months and months. Where are the people in Scotland with the clever ideas? Where are the people who are going to stretch the envelope? Right? And this can be done, and we mentioned that earlier. 
why don't we have this whole attitude now to the, the clean energy drive? Why don't we try and attract investment? We've said that. Why don't we lobby the UK government to get a green investment policy for the whole of Scotland that allows us to have a different tax um, <clears throat> on on anyone that's willing to come and invest in, in clean energy? Yeah, I, listen, we've, we've talked about it. And this is the clear strategic thinking which sets out a company's ambition for all its citizens. This isn't just about making rich people richer. Mm-hmm. This is about actually companies coming, creating the jobs, people paying their tax, which then goes into the health service, cuts the waiting times, goes into the education service, and that's what makes the world go round. And I, I really don't understand why we're not doing it. Yeah. Yeah, and why are we not jumping up and down at the prospect of potentially Bill Gates wanting to invest billions in the UK unless they help with the nuclear situation rather than the Chinese? Yeah, and um, you know, Bill Gates has set that out. There's a brilliant documentary on, um, I'm going to say Netflix, Inside Bill's Brain, it's called. (laughs) It's a three-part documentary, and on the last one, he talks about nuclear power and making it safe and actually making it almost like a green energy. Um, Where are the open-mindedness for this new thinking? I think Scotland's been done a disservice by the narrow-minded Greens here. I'm calling them out and I'd love to debate it with them. Yeah, so the invite goes out this week again. Anyone, <laughs> Lorna Slater, Patrick Harvey, you know, we are we are here to try and help, but let's have a constructive dialogue about how we can make this happen in Scotland. Yeah. So, Willie, another one of it, we're talking about my, my heroes today, Bill Gates is one of them. Warren Buffett is the other one. And um, he's had his Woodstock for capitalists, yes. which is he gets together in... Um, Omaha, Nebraska, and there's like 40,000 people go and listen to him. And now he's 92, his business partner, Charlie Munger, is 99, and they sit and they take questions for four to five hours. I hope I hope you and me are still taking questions from that age, Willie. But it's interesting, <laughs> Tom, you know, obviously two geniuses, right, that have been, you know, they've sustained the, the, their reputations for over 50 years, right? There's not many things they get wrong. But the one thing that was interesting that they did say, even though they're putting out the you know, great news that, they're, that they posted a 12% increase in the first quarter, Right, so it's a thirty-five billion profit for the quarter. Not bad if you're an investor <laughs> in Berkshire Hathaway. But yeah. but also they did say at the end they were kind of trying to give a, a a veiled message about it was a good job that the government stepped in, you know, with this contagion that could have went on the banks, and and they know more about that than us. But we've been saying it for weeks and weeks. Right? Yeah, these were not takeovers by UBS and by JP Morgan. This was the government going and telling them, "Look, we have to do this." So, but yeah. we're, we're delighted that they, they they did do it. So we are we are um, we hold Berkshire Hathaway stock, and um, the the amazing thing about um, Warren Buffett, they've been doing this him and Charlie now for about sixty years, believe it or not, and he says it all comes down to. 12 really good decisions, which is one every five years. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not quite sure about that, Willie, but here's some stats. So 
Berkshire Hathaway is sitting on a cash pile of $131 billion and they have a stock market portfolio worth $328 billion. They own 6% of Apple, which is about $155 billion worth. And it just blows my mind. He always tries to bring things down to the simplest form. And um, I'm going to give you a few more. I've given you in the the past. Here's a few more of my favourite quotes from um, Warren Buffett. So he says, it takes 20 years to build a reputation and only five minutes to ruin it. I think we would both agree with that. Um, He says, it's far better to buy a wonderful company at a fair price than a fair company at a wonderful price. That's something that sits on the entrance to my building in Dundonald. We've put it up there. And um, the last one I'll leave you with here is, if past history was all there was to the game, the richest people in the world would be librarians. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Well, we're on that topic then, so a wee bit nearer to home on the same thing. James Watt from Brewdog, which I believe was an edge-backed business, has announced his top 20 companies in his search for the next unicorn. Okay, so yep. um, great news, but there's only one Scottish business in there. With a judging panel having a Scottish slant, would it be expected that more than one in 20 are Scottish businesses able to compete? So, you know, I'm a great admirer of James and all he's been doing at um, Brewdog, and he, he's always a different thinker, always coming up with good initiatives here. So, well, I, I think it's probably just a wee bit below the population, the stats would 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 say I would like to see Scotland punching above its weight obviously and we're working hard with Scottish Edge the finals are this week and I think the startup um, scene in Scotland is thriving the peer-to-peer support of um, Scottish entrepreneurs is great and then we're into scale-ups I've got a big week with um, scale-ups coming to Blair Estate this week, um, we've got the scale-up 2.0s coming. So, yeah, I would say a wee bit disappointed, but hopefully in the years to come. And good on James for putting this together. Um, the more the merrier. Um, I would like to see more Scottish businesses in the future take part. I agree. And do you think it will help them with the bill that's been passed by Holyrood this week? It's going to be made easier for smaller businesses to raise finances the bill brings Scotland into line with other regions and allowing businesses here to borrow more easily against assets like machinery, um, but now also to they can borrow against IP and patents. Do you think this will make a difference to businesses? Yeah, well, anything that takes away these barriers, Willie, I mean, we can both remember going back to when we were struggling about to try and raise finance. We would have done anything to, to raise finance. The The cost of the money was not a barrier to us. It was just the availability of the money. So anything that takes away these barriers, I think is going to be a good thing. And, a, you know, good on them for, for sorting that out. And if we could just return to kind of pet subject of the show, which is AI. Um, (laughs) There was a great article in The Times this week um, from Greg Jackson, who's the CEO of Octopus Energy. Anybody who didn't read it, um, 
they can contact the show and we'll send it out to you. And Greg Jackson obviously is dealing with a lot of customers. He's got a lot of customer relations people there. And they started experimenting with AI back in December of 22. And by February, they started getting their customers' emails responded by AI. And they'd 80% satisfaction from the AI emails and only 65% satisfaction from the humans who sent them on behalf of the customers. And by last week, 34% of all his customers' emails were being answered by AI and it was doing the job of 250 people, Willie. Phone answering times had dropped and customer satisfaction went up. I know you know a lot about this, you know, dealing with your city facilities management business. And um, he was making the point that this was good for his business. But of course, with the good comes the bad. And there's also bad actors, the hackers have AI. And we really need to be on top of this. So threat or opportunity, we're going to keep coming back to AI and thinking about how it's going to affect the listeners' businesses. What do you think, Willie? I just wonder what the 230 people think that work there. <laughs> well, what he said, Willie, was that he's growing so quickly that there's not going to be any redundancies, which is great, but not all businesses are, are growing at that level. Yeah. I, I think, again, there will be like an all-new um, innovation, especially in technology, there will be the upside and there will be the downside. Um, <clears throat> the only thing we have mentioned it in the weeks going by is there's so many experts in this field want to dwell in a moment on the downside of what AI is capable of, which you know obviously um, scares me a wee bit. Yeah. So we will keep trying to find experts who can make it simple for the listeners' businesses and see what people people think about it. And if, if you've got any questions on it, you know how to get hold of us. Yeah. We want to know what's on your mind so we can give you a better service yeah. to try and help grow your business as well. And here's a message to a lot of businesses out there. Um, almost 400 businesses in Scotland might be missing out on tax relief for, right. pa for patents that they've filed. So uh -huh. records show that over 460 businesses are in the process of filing or have filed patents, but less than 70 have applied for the patent box tax relief. So if any businesses out there are listening, the relief was introduced about 10 years ago and it's effectively allows businesses to pay only 10% corporation tax on income from patents. And a lot of companies don't know that. So... Here's a wee tip from the Go Radio Business Show. If you are a business that makes money out of patents, find out about your tax implications because you could be losing out big time. That is brilliant information, Molly. I didn't actually know about that. Coming next, Hunter and Hockey chat to David Milne, Managing Director of KC Group Shipping. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, part of the Scottish Procurement Framework for Managed Print Solutions, available to all public sector bodies and charities. Go there are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow 
with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. This week's special guest is David Milne, Managing Director of KC Group Shipping. David is currently leading a team of logistic experts whilst overseeing the implementation of their 2025 growth objectives. David, welcome. Hi, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. It's, br- it's brilliant to have you on, David. I've been reading the notes. Um, I don't think we've met before, but your story is something I'm sure the listeners are going to get a lot out of. So, how did it all begin, David? Yeah, well, you're right. We've not met before, but um, I'll give you a little bit of background about myself and the business. Um, so, it started probably when I was about 12 years old. I was very young. Um, wasn't academic in any way, shape or form, um, but just really wanted to make money. So, I had a few jobs here and there. Uh, but the job that sort of got my career started was washing cars. Um, right. So my parents had a caravan down at Ayr, uh, down at Sundrum Castle, not too far from yourself, Tom. It's Sundrum, yeah. I know Sundrum well. Yeah. And um, I decided I would start a little car washing business and obviously look for the most expensive cars to wash because they were the ones that wanted to pay the money. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, washed a few cars down there. And fast forward a couple of months, um, my school had told me that they wanted me to find somewhere to do work experience. Uh-huh. Um, they wanted to send it to a company called Diesel Recon in Cumbernauld, which is where I was gro- uh, brought up. Uh-huh. Um, so I didn't really want to work with my hands. I was more looking forward to working in an office. And long story short, I went to the guy with the nicest car, who <laughs> was Raymond Clarkson, asked him what he'd done for a living. He said shipping. Didn't have a clue what that was and asked him if he could come work in his business for a couple of weeks. Um, and that was my work experience, which was amazing. And that was the start of the journey within KC Group Shipping. So, David, can, can, can I just ask here, because I think all entrepreneurs go through their, this thing. So, Raymond, who was yeah. an entrepreneur, must have saw something in you where they thought, this young guy's got got something. What do you think? Did, did you ever have the chance to ask him as, you know, the story unfolds about why he chose you to do your, the work experience? Did, did, did you ever get that chance? Yeah, I did. Um, I did ask him that chance or ask him that question um, because I wanted to find the next David, if I'm being honest with you. I wanted to right. find out how we could do that. Um, and he said a couple of things. Um, one was respect for my parents, um, okay. which he clearly saw because my parents had a caravan at air at the same time as him, and he right. saw the way I treated and spoke to them and respected them. And the other was commitment, um, because come rain or shine, I was up first thing every Saturday morning to wash the cars. So I think he saw that bit of commitment in myself as well. Brilliant. Amazing. Brilliant. So after work experience, what happened? So yeah, that was when I was 15. Um, and we got to the summer. I loved working there for two weeks. Got to the summer, and I spoke to Raymond again and said, can I work during the summer? Worked in the summer. Um, got to the end of the summer holidays. I was a Christmas leaver um, and basically said, I'm not going back to school. I think I took that choice before the choice was taken out of my hands by the school, to be honest with you. <laughs> and um, I got a job in KC, which is my first full-time job at 15 years old. Right, um, Wow. So yeah, that was uh, oh God, 29 years ago now. And what was your first role? 
So my first role was effectively just an office junior, um, supporting the business, helping out with the team members, really just being a junior in the office and sort of learning my trade. Um, and my first real account, it's funny because I listened to Mark Hunter the other day there, yeah. and uh -huh. uh, my, my first account that I controlled in KC was Bass Beers. Wow. Um, moving beer <laughs> from, it's actually moving the Carling Black Label from Duke Street over to Southern Ireland. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> a little link there. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Seven degrees of separation. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So, if you sort of fast forward the business, I had lots of different jobs in KC. Uh, my first real job was agency manager. I was given that position when I was 25. Um, and that was really to develop um, effectively what is a franchise in the business. Um, so it was a company called CSAV, which we had the rights to sell their business in Scotland. Um, and that right. was really Can where my sort of career started taking grip. Yeah. So you were obviously, obviously curious, David. You, you would do any job and find out how to do it, find out how this business was ticking. So you obviously thrived in that environment. Would that be right? Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I loved learning. Um, I loved sort of being surrounded by people that were a lot more intelligent than me and just trying to sort of grab those golden nuggets from them and really learn how to understand sales, operations, finance. I almost engrossed myself in every sort of piece in the brilliant. business. I think I was probably a little bit of a pest, to be honest with you. <laughs> but that's brilliant. And, that, and that's great advice for anybody out there who's in a business who's got ambitions, you know, about doing more, is to, to, you know, to be a sponge. Yeah. To soak up every single thing that you can about how the business runs. What size was the business at this time? So in 2004, 2005, we were probably around 10 people. It wasn't a large business by any means. We were about 10 people, probably turning over about 7, 8 million. Um, and then we grew the business to around 8 or 9 mil. Um, and then come 2014, um, I was made the group director at that point. Um, right. And shortly thereafter we lost our biggest account, which was around 90% of the company's revenue. Wow. Um, so it was an extreme step back. I'd just been promoted. We lost the account, <laughs> and it was like, oh, where do we go from here? Um, so that was certainly a, a shock to the system. So how did you deal with that, David? Just for the listeners this morning, or maybe going through a tougher time, how, how do you go by losing 90% of your business overnight? Yeah, listen, there's, there's no doubt that it was a, a massive challenge. Anyone that tells you otherwise is kidding themselves on. Um, there was a lot of a lot of days that we were sort of looking at each other thinking, what are we going to do here? Um, but the reality is you just have to sort of knuckle down and sort of take a step back, reorganise the business. We looked at saying, right, okay, how did that happen? What can we do about it? Not much. Once it's happened, it's happened. It's now about how do we move forward? And for us, it was then again looking and saying, right, are we working with the right clients? Are we working in the right sectors? How do we develop the business and how do we sort of overcome the challenge we've just had, which was a mighty challenge? Wow. So, what, you know, I mean, what a baptism of fire, right? As soon as you become part of the senior <laughs> management team, but also the learning must have been invaluable. Yeah, listen, I think I think the reality is everyone can run a business when it's nice and smooth and things are going fantastically well and you've got a great team round about you. But the reality <laughs> is when, when things are going wrong, they sort of strong stand up and overcome those challenges. Right, so here's a big question. So you've got an owner who's yep. just been put in a senior management position. And, and this is not you boasting or otherwise. 
do you believe that the owner listened to what you had to say about maybe how the ideas, how you could save the business and take it forward? I think I was in a very fortunate position that I'd learned from Raymond for the last sort of 20 years. Um, and he'd been a mentor to me, he'd been a coach, he'd been a confidant. Um, I was in a very fortunate position. He was that person that saw something in me. And I think he wanted me to take the business forward. Um, he probably listened around 50% of the time. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good um, ratio. Which, 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 which clearly worked. Um, and 50% of the time, he probably ripped up my ideas and threw them in a corner, but yeah. gave me a little pat on the back and said, well done for thinking about it. Um, but yeah, that was definitely, he, he was good at listening um, and good at sort of guiding me and keeping me right as well. How long did it take you to get back to the levels you were at after you'd lost the 90% customer? Um, it, it took us until about 2017. Right. So if we move forward a couple of years in 2016, um, I could, with, with full respect to Raymond, because he's, he's my superhero, um, I could see that he had lost the passion and driver had really taken its toll on him. Um, and I approached and said that I wanted to complete a management buyout of the business. So in July 2016, we completed that MBO and I bought 80% of the shares within Casey. Um, we then, at that point, we were turning over around 5 mil and I think if I remember correctly, we lost 300k at the end of 2016. So it wasn't my most successful year in first year in business. Yeah. Um, but if we fast forward to 2017, we ended with 7 million and we're back in the black, um, which right. was a quite, pretty quick turnaround. The, the listeners would be interested in finding, how did you finance or how was the deal structured for the MBO? So I was in a very fortunate position um, that we agreed to complete loan notes which effectively, for those that don't know, loan notes are effectively purchasing the business from future profits of the business. Um, so there was a bit of financial investment from myself, but without the loan note structure, um, I would never have been able to afford to complete that. And it also gave me the the, um, the ability not to have the bank, the bank back me. Yeah. Um, so you didn't have the bank breathing down my throat. So anybody who's in a business in the same position, Tom would agree, I'm sure, that this is one of the best ways that you can get to buy a business when you're in the business, when you don't have the funds. So, yeah. well done. Yeah, and I think it yeah. also works for the owner as well yeah. because there's entrepreneurial tax relief for yes. our tax on that, which is only 10, just short 10%, which yeah. is a fantastic <laughs> number for everyone. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, David, when I, when I sold Sports Division to JJB, I did loan notes to them as well. Yep. So I fully understand what loan notes are. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's actually, I don't think there's enough spoken about loan notes. It's yeah. something that is definitely a great opportunity for future acquirers. And how yeah. many years did it take you to, to pay off? So the loan notes were due originally to be over a five-year period yeah. um, and I managed to get them paid off within three years. Fantastic. Um, which was great. a significant achievement yeah. um, for So for by the time business. you do that, then what size is the business? So they were paid off just before 2020. At that point, we were doing around 22 million. Wow. Um, wow. So we went from sort of 16, that five, around about 5 million mark to 22 million in 20. So tell our listeners, what was the, what happened? Did you land a big customer? How did you have that quantum from 5 to 20? I think there was a few things. Um, brand awareness. I felt as if we were a sleeping giant. Um, and, and Raymond always wanted to keep us almost below the parapet, um, but I didn't. I wanted to get us out there and be recognised. So we spent a lot of time, how do we develop the brand? How do we let people know we're here and what we do? 
Um, in addition to that, Brexit was fantastic for us. Yeah. Um, there's no doubt that it was the best thing I ever voted for. <laughs> um, so Brexit had a lot with us, but we positioned ourselves well to take advantage of the opportunity that would arise from Brexit. Yeah. Um, and there was a few different accounts we'd got. We'd, we invested heavily in the whisky industry. Yeah. So that's been significant for us. We're now working with almost every distillery in Scotland. Um, and we're one of the largest controllers of whisky in the Scottish market as an independent. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Do, do you think that at any stage back in, in the early days when you were starting, that you had an idea that one day, you know, I would like to own this business or did it just happen? Um, I didn't actually think about owning it, but to be very honest, when I was 15, I remember saying to Raymond, I want, he said, where do you see yourself? And I said, I want your job and I want your watch. <laughs> uh, so I was pretty, I was pretty, at 15 years old, you know everything, you know the world, and I was super confident. So yeah, yeah. probably a little bit overconfident, but didn't really think how I'd get there. I just knew I would. Brilliant. That's, that's a great so, story. So I'm um, David, I get it from listening to you this morning that, that you are a great salesperson. <laughs> and are you still leading that or have you delegated that to someone? And how are you finding the talent in your business now? And have you saw anyone else like yourself? So yeah, sales is sales is my greatest attribute, I'd like to think. Um but I've tried to step back from the day-to-day -day activity or the commercial activity in the business. So we had we now have a head of sales within the business. Right. Um, who leads that on a day-to-day -day business, although I'm sure she'd probably complain that I get too much involved in sales. Um, <laughs> but there has been significant growth in the business over the last few years, particularly in the last two years, where we went from 20-odd million. Last year, we've done 40 million. Um, so it's been a significant Brilliant. growth across the last sort of five or six years. Um, and with that comes trying to find new staff, trying to bring in new talent to the business. Um, and that's where we're looking at employing our own um, development hub within the business. So looking at how do we bridge that gap between higher education or education in general and also employment, um, which is something that we're really, really struggling with um, because I think... First of all, our industry is very unknown. And secondly, I just feel as if there's not that real bridge that gap that fills that gap. Yeah. And for any business to to grow by a hundred percent in one year brings all sorts of challenges. I mean, it's great, it looks great on paper, but it brings all sorts of challenges. Was part of that, you know, obviously you you've you know, you've you've done a JV with an American company. Um, did, was that part of that growth or was it insignificant? Was one big customer responsible for 10 million or did you pick up 200 new customers? Yeah, what we've tried to do is, I think this probably goes back to 2014 when we when we lost the big client. Um, the, the guidance that I give to our commercial team is let's go out and pick up lots of medium-sized organisations so the risk is that you don't lose a giant customer overnight. Yeah. So our revenue from the sort of SMEs is growing significantly. We have a significant amount of customers now compared to what we had five, six years ago. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. I can tell you that from the heart. I mean, you mentioned, you know, Mark was on last week, Mark Hunter. Yeah. For the first 10 years of my business, tenant Caledonian Brewers was 90% of my turnover. For the next 15 years of my business, 
as there was 95% of my turnover. So uh, uh, luckily today, I don't think one client is responsible for more than 12% of our turnover, but I completely understand why you gave that advice to, to the sales and marketing yeah, team. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, well, I think I think it's wise advice. Um, if you lose that account overnight, then you are picking up a lot of pieces. Yeah. Um, and certainly when we're the size we are now, there's a lot more responsibility in terms of the, the number of staff that we have. Yeah. And David, can I ask you, would there be a chance for a 15-year-old to get your attention today? Uh, Tom, that's a great question because being very honest with you, that's my dream. I, I would love for the next, um, for the next, dare I say, David Milne to to be working their way through the business, to come in and to learn the ropes and, and one day hopefully to take over the business. Um, there is lots of amazing talent in KC just now um, and hopefully one day I can support someone um, in terms of loan notes to, to purchase a business or acquire the business from myself. That would be the dream. <laughs> so you get all the senior management team in a room next week, <laughs> sit them all down and say, right, who wants my watch? <laughs> no, they're not, getting, they're not getting the watch. They're not getting the watch. Well, that's the one thing I wouldn't give anybody either is my watch. Right? And it's not an expensive watch. It's I just my been... sons have got their eye on that. Uh, exactly. So you're obviously modest. You've just won International Trade Business of the Year. Well done. And I think you were Entrepreneur of the Year with the Chamber of Commerce. So congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah. Was that, was that a thrill? It was, um, to be honest, I thought we would, I, I did think we would win International Trade of the Year. Yeah. Um, we are the first company that's ever brought a vessel directly from China into Scotland. Uh, we've done that in 2022, so it was a, a first for international trade uh, between Scotland and Asia. Yeah. Um, I thought we had a really good chance. In terms of the Entrepreneur of the Year, it was an amazing surprise. I was probably... Really shocked, to be honest with you. I was shortlisted, um, but when you look at the category and you look at the other um, shortlisted members, then it's, yeah. Well, you, you've got Mr Hunter to thank for that because the way way back many moons ago, it was him and a few others who started all this Entrepreneur of the Year, you know, <laughs> competition. So so I think uh, a big well done. But that's it's fantastic. For, for someone who's only been in control of a business for that short period of time, that's, that's a wonderful achievement. Yeah, I'm super proud. I'm super proud of it. But uh, yeah, I still probably don't call myself an entrepreneur. So maybe, but listen, we can call you. I'll let you guys know. Listen, once you're getting seen with awards in your hands, you can't hide. You can't hide. <laughs> and so tell us, where are you based? Where's the business based? So we're based. We're now in Seaward Place in Glasgow. Uh, we're sitting just now, as I said earlier. We turnover this year, or 2022, sorry, we turned over just shy of 40 million. We've got around 45 staff um, and we just moved to that office in December 21, um, which is double the size of our old place, around 6,000 square foot and it's a custom designed office to make it a nice place environment for the staff to work in. So Seaward Place, is that down off of Seaward Street? Yeah, so yes, exactly, just off of yeah. the M8, just directly off of the M8 opposite the um, Shield Road subway. I know very, very well. At one time I was involved in a very bad crash there. <laughs> <laughs> luckily, luckily I lived to tell the story. Yeah. So what's, 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 the, what's the ambitions now? You're going to grow and grow? Uh, yeah, oh God, the the, uh, the management team will probably kill me for saying this, but I may as well. I think the ambition is eighty million. Um, wow. I think by twenty by twenty thirty, like has to be an eighty million turnover business. Um, but with that, we've got to grow in terms of personnel as well. So that almost ties into the learning and development skills academy. So can we then nurture our own talent? Can we bridge that gap 
and bring the talent into the business and, and effectively learn them the trade. Um, so that's that's the future as well as digitalization. How do we digitalize a business to sort of almost have that hybrid between um, digitalized operations but also customer service? So give yourself a chance for a wee plug. Tell the listeners, name of the company, how they can get in touch if they want to use you. Yeah, so we're KC Group Shipping. Uh, we're Scotland's largest independent freight forwarder. Uh, we provide supply chain solutions um, across the globe. So we work with all different sectors, anything from beers, wine and spirits through to furniture, cars, pharmaceuticals. If you go into our website, which is kcshipping.co.uk, you'll find our contact details and we'd love to hear from you. Brilliant. David, thanks so much for coming on the show. What a story. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate your time. Well, David, it's a brilliant story. And um, when others are saying Brexit's doom and gloom, you're saying <laughs> threat or opportunity. You saw the opportunity. And that's what all good entrepreneurs do. So good on you. Thank you very yeah. much. And that was a first. You're the first guest we've ever had that said Brexit was wonderful for them. <laughs> as, as I said, it was the uh, it was the best thing I ever voted for. So <laughs> brilliant. I'm happy. For, I'm happy. To have Good luck. Okay. Thank you very much. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, turning your paper-based processes into organised and digital workflows. Go Radio. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security, and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs, saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The board you can't afford. This is the Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. On the board you can't afford this morning, we have Nicole Muir from G4 Claims. Nicole, welcome to the show. Hello. Delighted to have you here. <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, the question I had for you guys this morning was, um, how? what advice could you give to me as a female businesswoman um, being in a male kind of dominated environment so at the moment I feel like you know we've came a long way and women are respected in business I wouldn't say just as much as men and you know we still face those challenges daily um, I'm right now at a peak of growing and growing my career at the moment and I was hoping that you guys maybe could give me some advice on how to kind of combat that kind of male still being the boss, if you like. <laughs> so let me ask you, what's your role? What is your role within G4 Claims? I'm the director. Right. I'm the owner and the director. Right, okay. So my first advice I would give you is, remember you're the governor. <laughs> right, okay. And sharpen your elbows a wee bit. You know, so if you're getting any grief for anybody down below because they think they're looking at you because you're a woman, you're a soft touch or whatever you can do, then get that message out to people ASAP that you're not. <laughs> Bad. <Bad laughs> well, no, I wouldn't go that far, but I would maybe say to them, look, that, that's, a, that's an option that you've got. <laughs> but keep going in with your, you know, to see the black belt you've got in Karai. Keep yeah. wearing it to your work. <laughs> so, what about you? So, just, just give me a bit of context here. Um, when did you start the business and, and what's some of the of the things you've had to overcome on your journey? Well, I'll give you a prime example that I can use. So <clears throat> I recently just acquired a castle. I bought a castle, a 14th century castle, over at the Clyde side called the Garrion Tower. 
So right. basically, it's actually more about the the outside perspective. So um, when I had bought the castle, it wasn't a matter of, you know, the headlines were everywhere. It was crazy, um, the amount of media that we got, which worked amazing for my business because obviously it's kind of promoted everything for me, which has been so, so amazing. Um, but at the same time, we had so many headlines, which were female mum buys castle, 32, um, Scottish <laughs> mum, um, buys castle without telling husband. Husband is furious. This seemed to be the, the theme of the headlines, which just went absolutely crazy. Everyone was talking about it to the point where my phone was blown up. Radio stations phone me saying, how furious was your husband? I was like, well, he's nothing to do with my business, so he wasn't furious at all. <laughs> like, it's crazy that, you know, Scottish mum, female buys... If that, I feel like personally, if that was, a, you know, any kind of businessman who had bought a castle who was potentially turning it into a wedding venue and hotel, which is what I'm planning to do, it would be brilliant. Local businessman saves listed building. And it wasn't, it was Scottish mum buys castle. How did she do it? It was daddy's money. That was another thing. It was daddy's money buys girl castle. And I just felt like, oh, we're kind of back to those challenges again that I faced coming up through G4 Claims. We've been in a, a male-dominated environment dealing with garages and body shops and things. So it was a very similar feel where you were facing that challenge of, you know, that people think you're emotional. and <laughs> So it's just a bit of that. And then we've had that again recently with the Gary and Tiver. And I was just kind of wondering, dealing with construction people and, you know, people within the, the construction industry in general, they just expect, you know, here's the owner coming and then they see me and they're like, well, you know, where's your dad? <laughs> <laughs> to be and fair, like, I used to get that. <laughs> well, well, the only thing, I, I just bought a castle as well and I didn't get the headlines and um, even though... Grumpy, grumpy old Ayrshire guy buys castle. <laughs> 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 so, my, my one piece of advice to you is very simple. Just prove them wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're doing. You're, you're going out there every day you know, how many people get, get to do what you're doing? You've started your claims business. You're obviously branching out now. So don't let it get to you. Just just prove them all wrong. And then, you know, you're, you're, you're doing good for the Scottish economy. And let me tell you, the headlines will get there. I know it's annoying and you don't want to do it, but just, but just do what you're doing. Talk about it get on the Go Radio Business Show, say, hey, it wasn't my daddy's money, it was my <laughs> endeavour that that got me here. And then people people would will, will start believing, you know? Yeah. I definitely think you've smashed the glass ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see anything holding you back, Nicole. Nicole, tell our listeners a wee bit about your business. So my business is G4 Claims. We are an accident management company. So in a nutshell, if you've been involved in an accident and it wasn't your fault, rather than claiming against your own insurance policy, um, potentially affecting your policy temporarily until everything's all sorted out, an average claim can last six to nine months. So temporarily, your policy is affected. Normally, you have to pay your excess and things like that up front as well. So what we effectively do is we can provide you with a higher car. If you want to claim personal injury, we can sort all that out for you. And if your car repaired we can get it to an approved repairer and get everything all sorted for you first class service and then everything we do we bill directly to the at fault insurance company so effectively doing the same job as what your insurance would do only we're just kind of taking out the insurance hands and not affecting your premium and basically putting it to the, the at fault directly um so 
challenges that we have faced with that. Um, how, how would you guys recommend that I continue to build myself as a brand? I feel like claims is quite a taboo subject for a lot of people. Um, you know, they think that maybe claim, you know, that's not right, you shouldn't do it, you should only use your own insurance. And that's not the case at all. I will actually work with the insurance, not against them. Um, so effectively, you know, it's about re-educating people that it's okay to phone and, and get a service that maybe your insurance can't provide you. Um, so it's just how I've been trying to brand build. Yeah. So how would you recommend that I continue trying to do that? What do you suggest that I can do to, to keep going with that? I think you're right. I think that you know, there is a wee bit of a stigma with the word claims, but Unfortunately, it is the hook that gets people to listen and to call you, mm -hmm. right? And I don't know <laughs> of another word that we could use, you know, that would, would adequately fit or would get people engaged. So you'll know better than me as to, you know, if you change that, if you, you know, rebranded yourself tomorrow, if you took the word claims out, right, how would it affect the business? And, and I think at the moment, you will know better your growth since you started um, you say you'd be quite happy with that, if it's 10%, 20%, whatever it may be, uh, year on year, then the, I, I think that it may be not a good thing to change your name, mm -hmm. right? And But I agree with you. But if you, I, I would say to you, you'll be a genius if you come up with a better brand name that attracts people where you think there's not get the stigma of the word claims. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that's what it is. That's the word that's used mm -hmm. in the industry, right? And a lot of people don't like it, but sometimes we find ourselves in positions where we have to claim. Mm -hmm. right? You know, that's what we pay insurance for. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that um, you would, I would think long and hard before I thought about changing. I mean, I've heard of you. Right, mm -hmm. so I've heard this, so whatever you're doing out there, you know, I hear you on the radio, hear adverts, so I, I think it would be a wee bit perilous at the moment maybe thinking about changing your brand name. Mm -hmm. Okay, thanks very much for your help. Thank you for coming well, good on. Good luck, Nicole. Thank good you. luck. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions. Helping your business with document management, print and IT solutions.